1: Welcome everyone to RB1 COLIN, the fantasy football podcast, brought to you by FB Nation, part of Fate Teams is Podcast Network. I am the conductor of the Devin Funches Hype Train and your humble host, Pete Rogers. Uh, joined here by all of the guys. We've got DK Metcalf's number one admirer and Mr. Independent Drinker, Clark Barnes, El Sabat, and working girl Jordan Smith, and the world's biggest 49ers fan, and the Ginger Woodsman. Nick underscore underscore something else you won't remember. Um, hey,
2: are uh, we all ready for our childhood to be ruined with this new Sonic movie? I it, it took me like fifteen minutes and four different people sending me the link for me to finally believe
3: they people were not screwing with me. This is real. It looks like hot fucking garbage. Honestly, I've never been a big Sonic the Hedgehog like video game player. I think that might have predated when I actually had a video game system. Um, but I might see this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the people in it. Like, I really like Ben Schwartz, James Marsden, Jim Carrey, obviously. Right. Probably when it's, like, on HBO one time.
0: <laughs> Did you guys see the uh, the meme going around of uh, Tails being portrayed as the, uh, the like, awkward uh, stuffed fox? Like, awkward fox?
1: Oh, no when you do it in direct comparison with uh, Pikachu Pokemon detective or however the, that title is phrased like that, I know when, it, when that tri- that trailer first came out, I was like, Oh no, Pokemon movie. This seems like garbage, but they did a much better job of taking these fictional animated characters and making them real in a real world. The life, the human living Sonic looks terrible. Looks absolutely terrible. He's got his spikes, but his spikes are like fur. Like he has it, it's not just that that it's like these giant strands of fur behind him. It's like his head is that shape, and then it's all furry. And he and he his proportions are weird. He doesn't have any reproductive genitalia. It's just nothing there That's between his legs.
3: It's just but weird. He skips legs day and he's
1: right for he's being hyper fast. His legs are string beans.
3: He's got human teeth,
2: too. The one thing I do appreciate <laughs> about this movie and about the trailer is it gives people a little insight to what I think about almost every trailer that I see.
1: <laughs> Clark, what was the last trailer that you saw that you were like, oh, shit, I'm 100% in. I need to see this film.
2: I don't remember seeing one. I don't watch I don't watch a lot of TV. And so I don't see, like, when I go to the movies, I see trailers and I go to the movies like twice a year. mm Tops.
1: So it was the trailer for uh, Citizen Kane.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, something. <laughs> you kind
1: of pop on that. Was that. That. <laughs> that was the last trailer that Clark saw I was like, oh shit, man, I gotta see this movie. I'm gonna head <laughs> to the theaters for this monstrosity.
2: I I think I, I might have this order wrong, but I, I either went to go see Logan and saw Rogue One. Mm, yeah, or that's the Rogue, Rogue one. Rogue. And saw Logan, and like that's. I think that's the last time I got excited.
1: Logan. Logan came out before Rogue One. I'm pretty sure both of those are extraordinary films, of which we've discussed at length on this podcast. Um, Let's do yeah, it again. Slow news week. Slow news week. <laughs> I mean, both those films extraordinary. This I will. I will grant you, Jordan, that I am excited for <laughs> for Jim Carrey. I I get the <laughs> feeling that this film is either going to be just absolute, uh, like uh, inexcusable garbage. Or it's going to reach that point where it's so bad that it becomes like a cultural phenomenon and a cult classic. Like, that's really the best that Paramount can hope for. There's no way this movie is going to be good for just like, it's not going to be appreciated just because it's good. It's going to be appreciated because either it's either not going to be appreciated or it's going to be appreciated because it was
3: just so terrible that it becomes a cult classic. Oh, yeah. And I a thousand percent think Jim Carrey is just going to be going for it the entire movie. <laughs> like, he is going to be the most ridiculous he has been in years. And it's, it's gonna, it's gonna work. be either really terrible or kind of good. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: anyways, that was, that was the biggest thing that came across my headline today. And I was like, I just, I, I, I didn't play, I mean, I played the Sonic game a little bit, but it wasn't like a staple of my childhood. Like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle were a staple of my childhood and and michael bay directing that those films was crushing to say the least but uh but even still this is just this sonic i i can't get over their cgi character because it is just not good especially when you compare it to the pokemons the pokemons at least look look like they function in this real world this sonic looks like it's a weird cartoon i don't know. it doesn't look great
3: yeah i don't think i'm going to give any sort of cares about the detective pikachu storyline in that movie but i'm definitely going to be 100 there for seeing the cgi pokemon in the real world totally interacting with humans that's what you're going for right that's 100 up your cgi character then come on game
0: over did you guys ever watch the uh the original live action ninja
1: turtles movie the hell yeah the, uh, with the full animatronic like the full rubber suits
3: yeah, it was like Legend of the Ooze or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Legend awesome. of the
1: Ooze was the Power Rangers movie.
3: No, it was, it was no. Secret of the Ooze. Was it Secret of the Secret Ooze? Secret of the Ooze. There was the Power Rangers movie with like – With, with Dr. Sort of Ooze movie. or Mr. Ooze. We, yeah.
0: we might be confusing it with Secret of Nim, which was also a good children's movie. <laughs> it was a rat movie. That's it was rat. very good. Oh, yeah. Don't you – Rat for rat Don't movie. you call it a rat
1: movie, Clark? <laughs> Look. I mean there were rats in it, weren't there? Yeah. Well, the mice were fighting the rats. Oh, the okay. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you dare call it a rat movie, even though there
3: are rats in that movie. (laughs) We are in the weeds right now. Yeah, we should move on to Tyreek Hill. Oh, you get what you pay for.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been said that we uh, like to ramble. Um, Yeah, okay. We'll talk football now, I guess, uh, since Nick destroyed the mood by bringing up Tyreek Hill. It's all Nick's fault, since we should actually introduce the podcast. We're going to do NFL news. Uh, we alluded to that. And then we're also going to go over our beer bets for the NFL draft and talk about uh, some of our favorite landing spots in fantasy for, for the rookies coming in. But we'll start with the NFL news. And the first big thing on the news Nick killed the mood talking about it. Uh, Tyree kill. Uh, we all know that this kind of off season, there has been uh, a charges of child abuse that were, that he was dealing with. Um, evidently he broke his three-year-old son was, was the, or sorry, his broke the arm of his three-year-old. Um, <clears throat> and those charges were dropped but right before the draft but then really disturbing audio came out uh on Thursday the first during the first round of Hill's girlfriend talking to him and talking about how their son was scared of Hill and Hill responds by saying basically like you should be scared too bitch um and the charges are now the case is being reopened the charges are being reopened uh and the chiefs have been tr- really really treading the line here uh they've been keeping Hill at a distance and not allowing him to come into practice but they also haven't cut him yet, and so clearly they are uh, really kind of hoping that these charges don't stick and that they don't need to make drastic action like they did with Kareem Hunt. Um, even though there seems to be a smoking gun, just like there was with Kareem Hunt. For me, uh, to me, this is just like the NFL needs to take a hardline stance here. If you care, if you're trying to promote any kind of domestic violence awareness, which is what something they've, a movement they've been really trying to push forward for a while now. It's this is you ban Tyreek Hill. You put at the very least, it's a year suspension. Personally, I think he's done. You should kick him out of the league permanently. The fact that Josh Gordon is out of the league because of the league's super strict marijuana policy, and Tyreek Hill is like floating in this limbo of you know, well, let's see if there's proof to the pudding, whatever. The words are like. That's absurd to me. That's preposterous. And it's not a good look for the Chiefs because A, you continue to hold on to Hill. You haven't made a definitive statement against him. You haven't like created your distance. B, you also drafted him and Kareem Hunt and you traded for Frank Clark. So like you don't really have this reputation of caring. Um, and we've talked about this when when they traded for Frank Clark when they first when that news first broke that. They've certainly made this a habit of, of taking on these kinds of players who have this violent history and hoping that they're able to move on from it. Clearly, that hasn't happened here. Um, but personally, I, I'm i all for whatever kind of redemption storyline you want to put to someone in the fact that, like, yes, maybe play, people, sh- people deserve a second chance to prove themselves. Uh, but I don't think that that holds water when it comes to a, a dream job. I think if you fuck up your first time, the dream job isn't there for you the second time. Um, and I also think that this is a well-proven trend for Tyreek Hill, and as such, he doesn't deserve a chance to redeem himself in the highest level of of you know, fa- like fantasy jobs. Like this is the perfect job that everyone wants. He doesn't deserve a second chance uh, in trying to redeem himself there. In my opinion.
0: So there's a, a, a scared part of me that's wondering if there's, if there was a precedent already set for sort of how to handle, um, not necessarily, I guess audio would be the, the way to put it, but I so his girlfriend talked about how like he makes the kid hold his arms apart so that he can hit him in the chest. Like he, it's very clear that he abuses the child and at least verbally abuses her, um, after the Adrian Peterson fallout from when he beat his child that he, he came back a friend of mine reminded me of this last week. He was asked basically, uh, do you still punish your child in this manner? And he didn't say, yes, I beat the kid, but he said, uh, yes, I'm still a harsh, harsh punisher. And I I don't like regret. And he basically implied that he still beats his child. No no punishment came from that, from him publicly admitting that. And so, Anyway, I, with the way that Kansas City is, is, as you said, walking this line of like, well, until it's basically proven, uh, like, I, I don't know, maybe video is their thing that they need and, and not audio, then I, they, they might not do anything. And the league might not do anything, uh, but he's, he's detestable. And, and I, uh, I was thinking back earlier this, this season when we were talking about how beer was thrown on him during a game. And we kind of had this conversation of like, how do we all feel about it? And like throw all the beer. Fuck this guy.
3: I think you hit it on the head there that there's going to have to be some sort of video like Ray Rice situation for this to actually get the, uh, the attention that it needs. Um, I don't Cause I feel like the chiefs are just, they are holding him at arm's length. Yes. But, At the same time, it's just kind of a, uh, well, we want to wait and see what happens. And that's really just code for we're kind of waiting for you guys to forget about this. And uh, so we can keep Tyreek Hill on the roster. And if we lose him and Cream Hunt in the same offseason or during the same year, it doesn't look good on the organization as a whole. Like, why do you guys keep drafting and like hiring these problem kids, you know? So I, I think there's going to have to be a video, as as sad as that is, like, and as dumb and shitty as that is, it's just I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna need because that's just how the NFL works.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of uh, sharpening of pitchforks on this one, and I think rightfully so. And something that I saw, which I see with a lot of these issues, is uh, people who really liked the Chiefs decided that they were going to take a stand. On being patient and people not rushing to conclusions, uh, I think if that's your general take on things, then then that's fine. I don't think there. I don't think you get bonus points for acting quickly when you're not in law enforcement, involved in the case, or related to these people. Uh, you don't always have to be the first one to yell something mean on Twitter. Uh, but it does highlight kind of the partisanism, kind of the team mentality of of how we're looking at a lot of things. I think as a society. And this is just a good example of why or a a time when maybe you should judge things morally instead of judge things morally, uh, for your team or for something else that's, that's happening to you. And, uh, one other thing on it, this isn't new, but, uh, you know, things like this happen and it's really shitty. Uh, and so when people try to place the blame on the victim, uh, I think that's, really bad. Uh, and I think that instead of, you know, getting mad online, there's a lot of great organizations in cities all over the country that try to help women that are in these situations get away uh, from these crappy situations, because it's very hard, you know, if you're living with someone and, and have a child with them, especially, it's very hard to just get in your car and leave. Uh, so if you really want to do something, you can donate an old cell phone or spend some time at the shelter and just even clothes and blankets. I'm sure there's somewhere in your community that does that kind of thing. And if this really gets your dander up, then that's a good way to take some action.
1: Yeah. Well said by all of you guys. I think that's all we need to spend on it. Um, And I think all of you guys made really good points. So Uh, we will move on in the news and we'll talk about a a draft day trade that went down that didn't involve any rookies or draft picks or, or moving around the drafts. Instead what it involved with was Josh Rosen, previous uh, franchise savior of the Arizona Cardinals being replaced by current franchise savior kyler murray josh rosen getting traded to the dolphins for i believe it was their second second round pick which uh was more than i thought they were going to get
2: it was for a map of downtown miami (laughs) and a hot dog i think
1: more than i thought arizona was going to get that map is a really nice map it's waterproof uh miami hot dogs are well known for being delicious and I thought I also I thought this whole thing that it was he dealt with it in a very with a lot of class and a lot of maturity that I feel like uh, he's getting credit for now. But going into this league when he was first being drafted, that that was kind of seen as a knock on him was his maturity. And the fact that he was such a high level thinker, which is just, again, goes to show you how stupid the NFL is. Um yeah. That I forgot that was, about that. Uh, like a knock that he thought too much and like cared too much about the environment. <laughs> uh, anyways, but, and the reason I bring this up uh, is just because on the, during the draft, Steve Smith went on a rant about Josh Rosen while he was kind of doing commentary and saying that this is a man sport and that Josh Rosen isn't a man because he whined about not having a starting job and he should be like fighting to stay in Arizona and like get in there and work and like, Beat out Kyler Murray and, you know, keep working. And, and you can't have everything handed to you. Nothing's
2: handed to you in this game. You got to just keep working at it, which. Well, you know, if I can interrupt, you know, Steve Smith actually feels like you should beat your teammates and uh, ruin their careers. Right. Which he did. Yeah. He
0: broke jaw. Nope. Definitely
2: did
1: something bad.
0: He, he broke like an orbital, orbital, excuse me, or something like that. Yeah.
1: So that's what Steve Smith says you should do. Um, to which I understand, like. I think on principle it's a dumb take. But if you boil it down to its basic premises, like, yes, I understand that coming from Steve Smith, who's an undersized wide receiver who was taking in like what the fourth round or later rounds. And so, like, yes, that's the mentality you need to go in. Is like, I'm going to fight for this job. If you are a top 10 selection, right? Your team, a team trades up to get you at quarterback, the most like prestigious position. You trade up to get a quarterback in your top 10. And then in the next year, your team drafts a quarterback first overall with a new coach to replace you. There's not a real competition there. Like, the spot is Kyler's, Mur- Kyler Murray's. And I thought Josh Rosen handled the whole thing with ta- with class, like, he went to all the practices he attended all of the meetings like he did all of the work and then when he got traded he sent a really he did a video talking saying thanks to the arizona uh to arizona cardinals and to the team and to everyone in there and then welcoming getting excited for uh for miami and then also threw in a little joke at the end about how he Kyler murray can rent his apartment now or buy his house um so i just i just I think I wanted to say well done Josh Rosen for handling all of this with a plum, because it's not an easy situation to come in as the perceived savior of this franchise to get replaced a year later and be shipped off to another team, which is sadly probably going to draft another quarterback first overall when they're garbage. So Josh Rosen, bad luck.
3: Yeah. I read the Monday morning quarterback article about Josh Rosen throughout this. uh, Well, throughout the draft day and what he was going through and with the agent and whatnot. And it definitely seems like Rosen handled this better than the Cardinals did. Like he was just a very mature adult about it. And I don't understand what any of these uh, pre-draft concerns were with Rosen about his outside. Apparently he's a monster because he's into environmentalism or something. That but I know um, that, that son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he, he handled it like a fully grown adult. I have no doubts that he's going to go into Miami and, I mean, with with a ton of other quarterbacks, as soon as they change teams and it fail, and they fail at their first stop, you're just like, well, there's really not much for them after this in their NFL career. They're not going to be the star that we think. But I still think Rosen definitely has a chance to be a star, even if it is in Miami. I think think Miami though does have some some semblance of a plan now um, in order to help Rosen be successful long term if they decide to keep him long term because they they get him for you know two million bucks over the next couple of years so good for him and them I I think this is awesome Um, I, and I love
0: what uh, I love that Miami is I, I know people who like this term but they're fully committed to tanking in the, in the best way possible like they're signing they're there and what that means is they're making really smart cheap signings guys are going to fight hard for roster spots and uh and they're stockpiling picks in the future like they as part of this deal the way that they ended up getting a ro- Rosen, they got uh the saints 2020 second round pick next year um They've revamped their analytics department. I love it. I think he's in an awesome spot. And and uh, what we were just talking about with the uh, – they, they don't have to pay his signing bonus. Right. Like it's, that's awesome. This is such a win-win. He is
1: stinky cheap right now for them. Yeah,
0: and they get to just audition him. They try him out for a year. If he doesn't – if he tanks, then they're picking somebody else. I, I think that he'll succeed because I think he's really good. Um, or at least like I, – I, I think I kind of feel like his his ceiling is Philip Rivers. That might be kind of high. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I love this.
3: I love this. There probably should have been like 26 or so other teams calling the Cardinals. Every single asking, team should have been. Asking what it, what it takes. Every there team should have, should have been in on this.
2: Yeah, y'all know that it's super cheap. Uh, Rosen had absolutely no chance to be successful. I've gone back and watched some of those Cardinals games for last year, and no one would have done a good job. Uh, so good for Rosen. I use. Sorry, Pete, for cursing uh, so early in the podcast. I get really riled up uh, when people just seemingly just talk shit about someone for no reason. And then they're given a lot of attention because of it. That's the uh, I've I've unfollowed and muted so many people on Twitter who've retweeted that story because it's just when you give people like that attention, that's that's what they're looking for. But anyway, uh, I feel bad for Josh Rosen because he's you know out of the frying pan into the fire The Cardinals were terrible, and now he's going to a Dolphins team that that is also going to be not very good this year when they get their cap in order. Uh, I I believe that Josh Rosen's pretty good. I think he was worth the number 10 pick last year. And I may look really stupid for this, but I think Kyler Murray, again, is getting a lot of credit for what Baker Mayfield did in the league last year. So we'll see on him. But, I mean, Josh Rosen, for probably the least amount of money that any backup quarterback is getting in the NFL, like for an almost third round pick. Good, good move, Miami. I like
1: what you're saying, Clark, where it's like you watch the tape, which is, I mean, if you guys aren't tuning into the RB one podcast on a weekly basis, this is why Clark Barnes, the, uh, the preseason is nowhere near close. We are not even in May. Clark Barnes is already grinding the tape. Already watching teams, already breaking down film to see and bring you the highest quality insight that he can possibly do. I mean, man's a man's a grinder. Um, uh, but the Arizona Cardinals last year were garbage, right? They had no one on offense, no kind of weapons for, for Josh Rosen to succeed with. And it's kind of shitty because this draft, and you tell that because this draft they went and got Kyler Murray, and then they drafted like Three wide receivers for him to, you know, to, to throw to, and they got a whole bunch of offensive talent in there. And so I think it's going to be, I could easily see the narrative of like Kyler Murray having success and the narrative being like, Oh, well, Josh Rosen wasn't able to do, you know, this with with the pieces that he had and how much better did arizona really get it's like arizona got a lot better with a news coach who's putting in this kind of air raid system that's going to make it much easier for the on the quarterback murray is very good i think he will do a very good job in the nfl but now he's got multiple weapons to throw to and yes there's a fair amount of them that are rookies or young guys but i still think that you're putting much more talent around Kyler Murray to succeed and it's super shitty that that same kind of premise wasn't done to Rosen in order to help him succeed. And you're right. He's going now to Miami where there's not a lot of talent there. And there's a real possibility that by the, by the 2020 draft uh, they're going to be in line to take Tua. And now Josh Rosen is again, being a backup despite being a, a top 10 selection. So
2: I really like the comp of Phillip rivers as a ceiling that. That is a very high Ceiling, I think we forget sometimes how good you know the fifth or sixth the best quarterback in the league is. Uh, but but he has that kind of game. Yeah, he's not mobile, but <sighs> we're past the draft and we're on to the season. This is,
1: this is so <laughs> grinding that tape. Uh final bullet point in the news that I have on my chart on my list. Um, Nick, we're gonna turn to you first about this as ex our ex-Seahawks correspondent. Doug Baldwin seems headed to retirement. He's struggled with injuries recently, and it seems that like his body just can't get right, and he's not going to be able to take the field and play. And uh, might be calling it a career. What is your um, your thoughts on it, Nicholas? It's super sad. Um, he had the
0: the knee stuff last year. That um, the the person I n- normally follow for injury info is uh, Doctor David Chow. And uh, everything he had to say about the knee was basically like, yeah, it's, you know, he's probably getting his meniscus trimmed and it's, or maybe a little sprained MCL. It's pretty normal. Um, But then this info came out that he also had surgery on his, it was like like his shoulder and his groin this off season. Um, It's super sad that the the dude's awesome. He works really, really hard. And um, I wish that I could have seen him play in an offense that wanted to give him the ball more on first down.
2: Yeah, he was a sneaky, really good player for a long time, uh, Like, uh, much like Russell Wilson. Like you said, it's stuck in an offense that
3: just never really got much credit for
2: for those two
3: putting it on their back after Marshawn Lynch left. Yeah, I always liked Doug Baldwin as like a sneaky, like he, he was borderline trying to break into that top 10 wide receiver rankings and he probably would have if it wasn't for the aforementioned injuries. So it it sucks to see somebody's career cut short from that, but um you know I, I bet you Doug Baldwin he seems like a a smart and really well put together guy so he, he'll be on to bigger and better things me thinks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it sucks to when injuries derail a career, but it also sucks when the career wasn't able to reach the highs that it could have because of the system that he was in. And we've all alluded to that, that the Seahawks don't have the most pass happy or pass friendly system. And Doug Baldwin was a receiver who routinely was, you know, I would say routinely a top 10 receiver in the league for much of his career, uh, but wasn't able to put up the stats that maybe he could have uh, simply because the Seahawks didn't have a, a such a pass first pass heavy offense
0: um i, I do want to add that i think it'd be awesome to get him in the nfl pa
1: yeah yeah he he is a really smart person who i think hey. has a lot of thoughts that could improve how the where the league is going and he's he's pretty relentless with his with his truths excellent well before we get into our uh, nfl draft recap and and best fantasy fits let's take a quick ad break uh, for these wonderful podcasts that you can listen to you ready showtime We're back. We're talking uh, NFL draft. We're going to talk. We're going to recap our beer bets um, that we made before the NFL draft. And then we're going to do best fantasy fits. So let's start quickly. We're just going to breeze through these. Uh, I have the list in front of me of the beer, the bets that were made, the outcomes, and who is owed what. Um We'll just go down the list, uh, and we'll and we'll discuss from there. The first bet that was made was Nick's full-season long bet. Marquise Brown, now of the Baltimore Ravens, and D.K. Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks, will finish 2019 with at least 14.7 yards per reception. Clark and I both took him up on that. We'll have to wait for the end of the year to see how that pays out. Nick, quickly, now that you know each uh, receiver's landing spots, how confident are you feeling about this bet? Well
0: um... – Hollywood, I believe, ended up Make I said where, quickly. Where I mocked him <laughs> to. was one of us like really good at picking Make, his draft? quickly, draft? I, <laughs> I feel great, man. It's gonna be great. I think I also had Metcalf on there and I think for the two passes that he receives, he's taken one at least fifteen fifteen yards.
1: Good. Good. There you go. Uh, next bet was Texans draft running back Josh Jacobs, which Clark made. I was 100% on board of this because I wanted this to happen. Sadly, it didn't. Uh, he went instead to the Oakland Raiders, as every mock draft would have told you. So uh, Nick and Jordan took him up on that. So that's beers for Nick and Jordan. Dwayne Haskins will not be taken in the top 10 picks. I made that wonderful bet, which came true. Clark took me up on that. So that is uh, beers for yours truly. No less than three teams, including the Cardinals, will trade down in the first round. Now, Jordan made this bet, uh, and it was not really understood by many of us, especially Nick, who had trouble understanding exactly what this was. But we all took him up on it. I can't say – I don't know if I can confirm
3: this or not. Jordan, if you hadn't included the Cardinals specifically, I think this would have come true. Oh, I was definitely – Right, except I parlayed it with the Cardinals. Right, if you
1: games. you shouldn't have parlayed it because there were definitely three teams that traded down uh, in, in the first round. So you had the right idea, you just got too specific, which is dangerous in this game.
3: That's what you get for trusting the Cardinals to do the right thing. Yeah, no,
1: no, no. Uh, Nick was real cocky talking about all the picks that he got right and he decided that our 100% NFL mock draft would get over 7.5 picks correct uh between 11 and 32 I had little faith. Jordan was not on the on the podcast when this happened. <laughs> <laughs> I had no faith. Uh so I took him up on it and so that'll be beers for me because I think we only had like 3 or 4 maybe. Which isn't terrible, but not not the 7.5 that Nick was certain we had. Um Clark, had four. May- I had three of them. <clears throat> Good for you, Nicholas. Uh, Clark, uh, three quarterbacks will be taken in the top 12. I took them up on that. That's beers for me on both of these. Clark, you had two that were uh, positions and certain number of picks. You were off by one on both of them. You had three quarterbacks that you take in the top 12, um, which you were off by one there. You had both uh, Kyler Murley and <laughs> Daniel Jones going in the top 12 and then you had three offensive linemen will be taken in the top 15, which both Jordan and I took you up on, uh, which you almost had. Jonah Williams went to the Bengals and uh, the Falcons drafted the Boston College guard, I believe. Um, so you were one away from there as well. Uh, story of my life. Story of, story of your life. The final two bets that were made. Oh, no, we have three more. Good gracious. At least five receivers will be drafted in the second round. Oh, shoot. I was going to research and see whether or not that was true. I think that happened. Five, you said? We'll go in the second round. Jordan, quickly be stats and information and check on this for me. Because Um, I can tell you, your beer bet of Josh Allen will be drafted before Quinn and Williams did not come true. Uh, So that's beers for Clark and myself and Nick. We all took you up on that one. Uh, And then the Patriots will not draft a tight end until day three, the fourth round. I did that. Jordan was certain that they would, but he was wrong. They didn't even draft a tight end, uh, so that's Beers for me as well. Jordan, what was the five wide receivers?
3: Is that Beers, though, because they didn't draft one at all? (sighs) That kind of implies that they were going to draft one.
1: Did you like how I breezed through that, tried to go as quickly as possible so that no one would catch the fact that my verbiage was was incorrect? Verbiage. Verbiage. Damn it, Jordan. Uh, What about the – what about the – Wide receivers, because I know AJ. Let's think. AJ Brown went. Marquise Brown went. Uh, or is Marquise Brown first round? Five. AJ Brown went. DK Metcalf went. Um. Uh. Paris Campbell went.
0: Which round? Second. No. Uh. Wasn't Metcalf third? right I I I thought he was the
1: last pick of the second round.
0: I got you. I got you. All right. Debo. Yep. Um. AJ Brown. Yep. Miko. Orsega yep. Whiteside, yeah. Paris Campbell,
2: boom. That's Andy high.
0: Isabella, DK. Met- yeah, you're fine, mm, man. Mm, mm,
1: mm, uh. uh, and so that is Clark owing me beer. So final tally for huh, the uh, NFL draft. Uh, Nick is owed. Nick went three for nine. Clark and Jordan went two for nine. Yours truly, seven for nine. Get at me, bitches. Uh, which just furthers my lead in the overall rankings. Let's get to best fantasy fits because. Obviously, it's a fantasy football podcast. Obviously, we like to talk about fantasy here. Clark, start us off. What was your favorite landing spot for uh, an incoming
2: rookie in terms of
1: fantasy value?
2: So this one's obvious, but I don't care. Uh, Josh Jacobs (laughs) going to the Raiders. I've seen a lot of people talking about and kill Harry uh, being the number one pick in rookie drafts, and I just think that that's an idiotic move. Damn Uh, it. Sorry, Not that Uh, I just released my dynasty
1: rankings on fake teams.com with Nikhil Harry as number one, but you know, whatever, it's cool.
2: The best rookie wide receivers that we've ever seen. uh, Don't always have the best first year. Uh, John Gruden has shown uh, his paleolithic tendencies. He's has a running back that is pretty good at everything. And I think we're looking at another rookie running back starting or finishing in the top five. He's just going to get run over and over and over. The Oakland's still not going to be very good, uh, but he's going to get a ton of work. So I like Josh Jacobs' game. He's a good all-around running back, even though people weren't super excited about him. Uh, he, he's just going to produce. If, if he's, a, he's a top seven, top eight redraft running back. Really excited about having another good all-around running back in fantasy.
1: And I think the biggest thing going for him, not only just because of the fact that we know John Gruden likes to run or just, or just kind of have that kind of offense. There's also no one there to challenge him. Marshawn Lynch is retired. You have Doug Martin and uh, um, Jalen Rashard. Jalen Rashard. That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Neither of whom have, you know, Doug Martin has had a very up and down career, but he's old now and Jalen Rashard hasn't done enough to really distinguish himself as a, like a, a reliable player like I, he's a good role player but he's not going to take huge touches away from jacobs i think they're going to come in they're going to utilize jacobs they're going to rely on him and he's going to and he's strong in the passing game which will you know he'll have a lot of space to work with What with antonio brown and tyrell williams on that team
0: so clark i just want to confirm did i hear you Craig? you think he's gonna be a top seven or eight running back in redraft yep just volume. Can we to get beer bet on that what's that that bet yeah, sure. Outside the top eight, I'll go top
3: five. No, 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 I, I now it's top ten. Okay. Well, it's going to be difficult for Josh Jacobs. We're both to be very here.
2: bad at negotiating. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start
1: at top eight. Clutching no, top five. No, no, top ten.
0: <laughs> Our
1: egos got in the
0: way.
3: <laughs> I'm more right. It's going, Jordan, as you were saying. it's going to be difficult for Chris. Um, I mean, for Josh Jacobs to get the starting role when Chris Warren is going to take it over in Oakland. Uh, <laughs> big running back out of the University of Texas. Clark, come on, man! Um, but you know what? If if Warren doesn't take the position, it is Josh Jacobs is to lose at this point. Marshawn Lynch stepping away, deciding he doesn't want to play anymore until he does decide he wants to play somewhere else maybe it's always a possibility. I feel like with Marshawn. Yeah. It's for fantasy purposes. It's fine because it's just generally good to have starting running backs um, because they're, they're good. They get their points, but uh, overall I don't really enjoy it that much for the Raiders. Um, Just, just the idea of using a first round pick um, on a running back when this class of running backs isn't like very exciting. for fantasy purposes, I think it's fine.
2: I understand the hesitance to spend a first round draft pick on a running back. And I think when you're the Dallas Cowboys and you got lucky and hit on a second round QB and you have an incredibly great offensive line, I think that's when you spend a fourth round pick on Ezekiel Elliott to put your team over the top. And it works. The Cowboys got to the playoffs. I think when you're a horrible team like the giants and you spend a second round pick on Saquon Barkley, that that's really stupid, even though Saquon Barkley is amazing. Uh, with what the Raiders did, they spent the 27th pick on the best running back in the draft. That's where I started thinking, eh, it is a first-round pick, but those aren't, those aren't really the first-round picks that we're talking about. It's like the Patriots taking Sonny Michelle last year. Uh, in general, I agree, the first round, probably not the best spot, but eh, super late. And I want it to happen, so...
1: (laughs) Um, I'll go next since Clark already threw shade at my guy. Uh,
2: I have to... I I already threw more shade than I wanted to. Threw threw a lot
1: of shade there, I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, I I have to make my first best fantasy fit is Nikhil Harry. I love this. I mean, not just because I'm a Patriots fan, but mainly because I'm a Patriots fan. Big body receiver, strong hands, big catch radius. Uh, I just think that he is... He's shown a propensity for being a yards after catch monster. Uh, Can you be utilized in screens? He's a punt returner. He's, I just think that you have, he's going to fit perfectly into the offense that the new England likes to run, which is a lot of quick routes and putting the responsibility on the receiver to kind of out muscle the, the uh, corner and then be able to get yards after the catch. Something that Harry has demonstrated a propensity for doing outside of Julian Edelman. Now with Gronk gone, like, Who's Brady throwing the ball to, you know? So there's a huge vacancy there for uh, for targets to be eaten up by him. And I just have dreams of Brady throwing him back shoulder fade after back shoulder fade, which is something that he really did a lot uh, at Arizona State. And I think that is going to be really brought into the Patriots offense now. I am all over this. I am all on board. Um, and I'm definitely going to be overdrafting him in every league that I play in.
3: Yeah, I'm trying not to overdraft rookie wide receivers anymore. That's been one of my uh, fantasy resolutions from last season. But I do think Nikhil Harry is one of those guys where you have to look beyond the uh, the testing scores and everything that he uh, may have done at his combine, and just really just put on a couple Arizona State games, and you'll see that he has something. You know what I mean? Like it, some players, you just you know they test well and they look good on tape, or some people just test well and they look terrible on tape. Uh, but Nikhil Harry is one of those guys where you, you just have to watch a couple of his games and you can see that he he's something special. And if he's playing with Tom Brady, like that's gonna that's gonna bring out something. Yeah, he's just
1: he just makes plays. The ball gets in his hands, he makes something happen with it, and that's exactly the kind of receiver that thrives in the Patriots system. Yeah, I think he's the next dominant Patriots slot receiver. See, I think, yeah, and what's sexy, even more sexy about him, is that he can play slot, he can play outside, he can play all over the formation just because of his size, because of the fact that he's a 6'2", 6'3", receiver at whatever, 220 or something like that. Like, he's a big boy who could box out smaller corners and and out-muscle them.
2: Yeah, four lovers of Harry. uh, There's not a lot of competition there, and if any team is going to be clever enough to cover up some rough edges – uh, I think it's going to be the Patriots. So if you are going to spend the one-on-one on a receiver, I think Harry's your man. Yes,
1: sir. He's, you might even say that he's the uh, best rookie in, in Dynasty Leagues, even above Josh Jacobs, right, Clark? Right? Maybe? Just maybe. Some have said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan, uh, who's your best fantasy fit coming in from the draft?
3: Um, My best fit is another wide receiver. I really like Hakeem Butler out of Iowa state. Um, now granted he was the second receiver taken by the Arizona Cardinals. And I know I spent a good amount of time bashing the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> on this podcast on a couple, uh, different occasions, but I think Hakeem Butler is another one of those guys. That's just a big play waiting to happen. Um, he's a six foot five wide receiver. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of, uh, route running prowess he's gonna to have to expand that route running tree a little bit but um, I, I think he's very explosive he's one of the more explosive uh, prospects and he has a great catch radius which can be very helpful for a young rookie quarterback trying to gain his footing in the NFL and um, I had the same thought you did when I read through your dynasty rankings Pete is that what better receiver in the league right now to have as a mentor than Larry Fitzgerald, teaching him the ins and outs of being a, a just a big receiver uh, that knows how to run routes very well. Uh, it, it doesn't really get that much better for a receiver right now. I think Hakeem Butler's got to just grasp onto this situation, hold on for dear life, and he can get some uh, some really good numbers out of it.
2: Yeah, I really like the call. I think that it's prudent to separate the two things that we've had happen with the Cardinals here. Uh, The one thing they've done is completely botched the Josh Rosen being on your team situation. Uh, There's no way around that. They could not have handled it uh, worse other than by just keeping Josh Rosen on the team. Now, the other thing they've done is they've hired an innovative head coach They've allowed him to pick the quarterback that he wants, and they've loaded the roster with talent to help that coach and that quarterback be successful. And I think that move was excellent. Uh, So they're going to be exciting to see this year. Uh, We saw with the Colts last year a fast passing offense can kind of cover up a bad offensive line. And uh, the Cardinals have a real chance to make that happen with the Kingsbury system. And, oh, yeah, David Johnson, who didn't even hurt his leg. Coming back, he's going to be big again this year. What was it that he hurt, though? Why was he out for a whole can't season? I can't remember, but it wasn't even his legs. Wow. It was his wrist. Oh,
0: wrist. <laughs> it was kind of goofy, because when it happened, I remember watching the game, and he went off, and he was kind of like, just like, oh, weird. This feels kind of weird. Anyway, he was trying to shake it out. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> no problem. Hey, so, Akeem Butler is amazing, and he's... He's the number one receiver. (laughs) I'm just going. (laughs) He's the number one receiver on Josh Norris's board, and I super-duper agree with it. He's a physical specimen. He copped him to A.J. Green. You're loving this beat.
1: I'm Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got completely thrown uh, because of your your such an honest answer, Nick. To, to the bit that Clark and I have been doing for like the extensive podcast of just, just bouncing exactly what, what uh, David Johnson injured. And and you're just like, um, it was his wrist. You guys, did you not know that it was his <laughs> wrist that he injured? I feel like you should have known that it out. was his wrist that he injured. It's important anyway, I apologize. Out. I interrupted your Hakeem
0: Butler praise. And I interrupted Clark's, but I'm still going. Um, Yeah, this is a super sick pick. He's going to get a lot of playing time. They're going to lead the league in four receiver sets. And um, I I think he's the best receiver in the draft. It's
1: going to be awesome. Do you think, uh, and quickly, this is just, I'm curious. Do you think that uh, Cliff Kingsbury's system will even feature a tight end? Like what's to stop him from just having uh, four receiver sets with David Johnson lined up at the backfield slash pushing out into the slot and just being like, that's our base offense? I think that that will be. I think that's exactly what it should be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's going nice. to be
1: Yeah. Um, sorry.
0: I'm going to No, well you're up
1: anyways. What's your, who's your best fantasy fit? Coming Well, the draft?
0: it, I mean, I just, I think, I think that Kyler Murray can have a really good year. I'll just, I'm going to leave that there. Um, my, my, uh, first best fantasy fit is rooting for the, uh, the demise of Tyree Hill. I'm going Nicole Hardman. Uh, he was taken, uh, what, top of the second round top of the third, uh, by Kansas city. He's not he, He's not just going to become Tyreek Hill. I've seen uh, Evan Silva Compton to Marquise Goodwin, and uh, I think if if that's what he is, you know, four three burner who's playing in the Patrick Mahomes offense. Mahomes. One thing that was super interesting was at the beginning of last season, like in 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 preseason games, he would just leave his first read if Tyreek Hill was just sprinting downfield, even if he was covered and just launch a bomb at him to see what would happen. If he sees any sort of just dude blazing downfield, I think he's, he's still going to have that second nature. Like I'm just going to see what happens. Um, so anyway, I'm rooting for Tyree Kill to get kicked out of the league and for Hardman to step in as sort of just a, a, a rough perhaps, you know, rookie year version of him. And another thing he had going for him was he was an excellent producer in the return game which historically is a really good indicator of uh, a future NFL success. Just if if they naturally are good with the ball in their hands that, that often translates
3: really well. Yeah. Even if Tyree kill gets to stay in the league, uh, Sammy Watkins is like one foot injury away from being a bad contract. So there's definitely a, a role for a receiver in Kansas city that where they can just step up and take, take targets away. Um, from a Sammy Watkins, or take the targets that are reserved for Tyreek Hill. Uh, of course, Travis Kelsey would and should get his targets, but there's not a whole lot of receiving options for a quarterback that just had a phenomenal MVP season.
1: Yeah, I'm all for I'm all for pushing Tyreek Hill out of the league and and replacing him some way somehow. I I am down on Hardman just because I think that the expectations. Coming in for him and, and Nick, I, I will give you credit for not saying that he will replace Tyreek Hill because he's not the same. Like he, it, just because he's a small burner doesn't mean he's Tyreek Hill, and I don't think you can utilize him in the same way. And he won't have as much success as Tyreek Hill will. He's not a plug and play guy who will suddenly become a top, you know, three fantasy receiver. Um, and so I'm not as high on him uh, as as others, but I I do think that he. There is a role clearly in the chiefs offense for someone like him. And if he can, you know, maximize that, then he has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, ch- there's a big chance that he will see a lot of success. I just am not a hundred percent sold that he's going to be able to maximize that role to his fullest.
2: Yeah. It, Andy Reed is a very creative offensive mind. So you, you probably don't have to be on the level of Tyree kill to still be really effective. And I think he's in a great spot to have a good rookie season. We may, you know, if if we're thinking top 15, top 20 wide receiver expectations may be a little high, mm. but he may do enough to keep Mahomes value high for us. Yeah,
1: that's fair. All right. Let's do one more round and let's 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 do a, a rapid fire round here. Clark, we'll start with you. Second best fantasy fit. Rapid fire.
2: So this is fun and something we've talked about a little bit. All season. So I saw DK Metcalf with the shirt off and got really excited about this (laughs) giant monster who was going to be an awesome field stretcher, second round pick. And then the scuttlebutt started being, is he a top 10 pick? Is he a a top 15 pick? And I got really nervous about deciding that I was going to champion DK Metcalf, but now he's gone at the, the end of the second beginning of the third to the Seahawks. He's going to be a giant down the field, target for Russell Wilson getting creative so I'm really excited about this I mean this is this is a Ted Ginn Jr. who weighs 30 more pounds than Ted Ginn Jr. and I'm super stoked for this again not for fantasy this year but just for football Uh, with Doug Baldwin being out I think it's gonna be really cool to have a monster like that for Russell Wilson to throw to
0: uh, my, my two cents on that, my speedy two cents on that is uh, last year when Baldwin was out, Lockett kicked inside and manned the slot and absolutely dominated out of there. So I, I think it's it's safe to say that Metcalf's pretty – he's going to slide into the Tyler Lockett role like right away and is just going to be getting bombs. 14-plus yard throws.
1: Oh, how interesting. How interesting. Not that you have anything riding on it. Uh, my second best fantasy fit is uh, J.J. Arce- Arcega-Whiteside who – Again, I love I love the big body, big frame receivers. It's just always as a as a you know six three, two hundred pound guy. You know I like to relate to them. <laughs> um, but I think he's similar to Alshon Jeffrey, which scares a lot of people uh, in the sense of like, oh my God, how are the Eagles going to use him? Where is he going to be? Where is he? How, you know, is he going to get enough snaps to truly make an impact? Ignore all of that. He's going to get played. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is not he isn't fixed in that wide receiver two spot there. So I think there's a space for J jaw uh, to already take that role, but more so than that, he's a basketball background and a huge red zone threat. And I think that's where all of his fantasy value is going to come through. It's a little bit hit or miss boom or bust. I totally understand that, but I would not be surprised. I could see a double digit touchdown season from him, his rookie year. I just think that that he has that potential. And in that offense where you're going to get down and Carson Wentz, Loves to just kind of, he always whips it at his tight ends because those are the big boys on the field. I think if you got him, or you got tight ends, you got Alshon, and you've got JJ out there, a lot of defenses were big guys for defenses to worry about one on one matchups. Uh, and he's going to win most of those. So I'm all for him getting a bunch of touchdowns this year.
3: I like it too as a high upside, uh, pick where he could just get you six points consistently because mm-hmm. of all those touchdowns, PPR seven, you know? Yeah. Uh Jordan, your second fantasy fit. Uh, my second fantasy fit is also on the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so I wanted to just try to dig out a deep cut for this one. And it's uh miles Sanders who is uh extremely athletic running back. He backed up Saquon Barkley at Penn state before taking the reins over as the lead guy. Um, but he is a long shot because Philly's backfield is kind of crowded right now. They traded for uh, Jordan Howard. They still have Josh Adams they still have Corey Clement. They still have Darren Sproles, I think, question mark. Um, but I th- think that because of his athletic tools, he's in the 95th percentile uh, for explosiveness in terms of his athletic score, um, which is – higher than any other running back that we've talked about. There's only a few others that, um, might've had a higher score than him, but I don't even know if they've been drafted technically. Um, but he, he does factor in, in that I think he will possibly take over the role that they've been trying to put Corey Clement in for the past couple of years now. Um, they've wanted him to be that relief back to catch some passes for the Eagles. Um, to come in and grind out some yardage as well, but he just never really caught on. Um, and it's really a shame because I always thought he was pretty good. Um, they obviously don't think Josh Adams is the guy to lead the backfield. Jordan Howard is more of a, a plotter, more of a grinder, uh, picking up the tough yardage. But I think um, Miles Sanders, if he can get reps as a passing down back, he will um, usurp everybody else's carries and touches in that offense.
2: As a Texans fan, I am really starting to hate the fucking Eagles. They <laughs> <laughs> got three running backs on their roster better than anybody ah. other
1: roster. Nick, your final uh, best fantasy fit.
0: My final best fantasy fit is uh, kind of an apology. Um, I was having a moment of introspection over someone I was really down on uh, pre-draft. That's Paris Campbell. His uh, average depth of target in college was like four and a half yards which is impossible um in the nfl the the like bottom is usually like six and a half yards and i think there's one outlier guy I, it might be jarvis landry who's at like five and a half so the idea of four and a half is, is bananas but the dude ran a uh one five two ten yard split a four three one forty forty inch vertical eleven three broad jump Four three, blah, 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 blah. anyway four oh three uh 20 short shuttles. The point is the dude, he's six foot two Oh five. The dude is an athletic specimen and he just went to an offense in the Indianapolis Colts, which last year played a different type of football than they have during uh, Andrew Luck's tenure. Luck usually averages around seven or eight yards per pass attempt last year because his shoulder was rehabbing. He was passing it around five and a half yards. I think this is a perfect near the line of scrimmage weapon that they uh, can sort of continue to keep, uh, they can continue to move the chains and still gain chunk yardage in a more effective manner than rushing the football. Um, I think it's I think it's a perfect marriage. I think that he'll have to learn to play outside a little bit more because Ty is going to take up a lot of the snap rolls too. But or a lot of the uh, uh, slot snaps too. But anyway, I think Paris Campbell landed in an excellent spot to uh, utilize his uh, near the line of scrimmage skill set.
1: I also love it because I think he's going to plug in nicely right into their slot because you're going to have T.Y. Hilton, Devin Funches on the outside, slot receiver Paris Campbell with Eric Ebron at tight end. Andrew Luck has a full repertoire of weapons. And like what you were saying, if, they're, if the offense is still going to be catering to Andrew Luck's shoulder and it's going to be kind of quicker, shorter passers, that's a, that's an offense that Campbell has already thrived in and can
3: continue to thrive in. So Paris Campbell's, uh, respective athletic score is higher than DK Metcalf's. I think that is in part because of his, uh, three cone testing, um, which I love. I, I mean, I was doing some, uh, some big boarding today for some dynasty mock drafts. Can you tell I was looking at athletic scores today? Um, <laughs> but that one really – Look at all this me. tape that you guys are breaking down. God,
1: you're such Jordan, a good podcast.
0: What, what is, I don't, I don't uh, have his three cone. What was it? Um, I actually don't have that up. Okay, currently. <laughs> oh, I can look Nick, it up, though.
1: Nick just Colin Jordan that's
0: the, that's the one thing that I don't have. Well, on.
3: But he's out of this world and everything. The reason I say that is because DK's was terrible. Yeah, like, it was god-awful. awful. awful. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't have this three-cone drill. It okay. must have been, mm, I mean, 40-inch vertical, 4 3 135 inch broad jump, and a 4.03 20-yard shuttle is pretty damn freakish. It's bananas. Add, add yeah. those together, that's how you get his athletic score. That's how, <laughs> you, that's
2: how you kill it. I'm really just excited about all the Paris Hilton jokes that we've already seen out of the Colts'
3: social oh media. So good pick! <laughs> I didn't even put that together.
1: Clark, I was going to. Uh, I was.
2: <laughs> I was. This going is to, what I bring to the podcast. The boys I, gonna, I literally. To the
1: <laughs> I've had this brainstorm of of that you should have a segment where you just you just do the old person takes. I
2: thought that was what I already did. I mean, um, we were just going to label, we're going to brand it. It's all about branding. I think John Gruden's a really underappreciated coach is because, you know. Because he runs the football. Anyways, well, there you go. That's a great, that's a
1: huge list. I mean, those are a lot of uh, big name guys who I think we all are really – happy with where they landed uh, and excited for where they are. I, I think this is, and maybe it's because there was such an emphasis on receiver in this draft. There's a lot of big name receivers that went into this draft. It's a really, I think this is a really exciting draft for fantasy uh, because running backs, there's always kind of a, you're always worried about committees and there's a lot of already established backs and the game is already becoming so pass heavy that it's, I, I, You know, I think guys like Josh Jacobs who have a clear number one starting role, you're like can get excited about other running backs. It's always hard because you're like, well, they're, you know, how many touches are they really going to get in this past happy offense? And with where, you know, you can have three wide receivers on a team actually all have decent fantasy value. It's a lot easier to get excited about guys who maybe come in at like the second or third on their depth chart and get hyped about the value that they're going to be able to bring.
3: Yeah, what I think was great about the draft this year is because it was very defensive heavy, um, especially in the first couple rounds. But once you got to, you know, the second round or the third and fourth round, when you saw a lot of wide receivers and running backs get picked, that's when teams start targeting those guys for need um, rather than for for skill set. So I think every team basically that drafted the guys that we just talked about had a need at wide receiver or, um, a hole to fill. And I think that's great for their fantasy per, uh, prospects. All right. Last
1: thing on the docket says you can finally talk about it. It's time for America's favorite segment. Game of Nick.
3: Yes, let's stick with that. All uh- right. That's called
1: that's called branding right there, Clark. That's what I that's what I can bring to your old man segment. Fine that work, of, that kind of A plus branding.
3: Um, whew. Spoiler
1: alert! Lots of spoilers coming, everybody. Uh, what an episode! What an episode! Uh, I don't. Mm, what do you got? Where is the best place to start?
3: The best place to start is that. I was like Nick with the mock draft here, and that I think I called everything just about perfectly with how the episode went.
2: You did, and I thought about it all week. I think last week you went around the horn and said, Do we think it's gonna end? This is seriously like, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones and you don't want to hear it, you got it turn right off. now. Turn it off. We're on. serious. We're uh, done. We'll say goodbye. See you next week. Yeah. Uh, I was like, No, I don't think it'll end next week. And I thought about that real hard all week. And by about Tuesday, I was like, or Wednesday, I was like, yeah, Jordan was definitely right. Like, we gotta get through this so that we can get to the main story. Uh, yeah. And I'm so glad that that's what happened. Jordan Jordan killed, you
1: killed your two deaths, which were Beric and Theon. You I was so those- close
3: going three for three there.
1: Yeah. Uh, Clark, you nailed your death saying Liana or the 13 year old was gonna die. <laughs> I was certain Brienne was gonna die. Somehow, Somehow they all survived the consistent horde of zombies that were pushing them against the wall for a solid like hour and a half. Somehow that didn't kill them. Uh, But you know, tomato to potato, the, the Arya scene. This is where I would like to, I, I figure this is the best place to start. And maybe the only thing to really talk about that whole sequence from where she is led by Beric and the Hound to Melisandre in the, in the great hall, Melisandre references what she said way back in season three when she first meets Arya. When she takes Gen- Gendry to uh, go suck the leeches, you know, suck his blood out. Uh, she looks into her Arya's eyes and says, "You know, I see many eyes: I see uh, brown eyes, blue eyes, green eyes, eyes that you'll shut forever." Uh, Arya comes in. Melisandre tells that to her again. What do we say to the to the God of Death? Not today. And fucking Arya goes out. Sprints like a madman. What's her forty time? Because that shit is record breaking. <laughs> gets to the Godswood, has a thirty-foot long jump, and just does the hand switch. Gets it right in the gut and explodes the ice. The Night King. Becca and I, while watching this, I it was I was more excited for this. Uh, privileged Patriots fan coming. I was more excited for this than the Ram Super Bowl. Hundred percent. When Arya stabbed the Night King, I was so much more, had so much more emotion, so much more excited, showed so much more, uh, you know, just energy uh, than the Super Bowl. A truly amazing, amazing moment. And the only person who could have killed him. The only person who, when you saw that death, you were like, yes, that feels right. Everyone else, it would have been like too pandering or, or just wouldn't have felt deserved aria putting in all this work from the very first episode of season one becoming you know this master class assassin working her way to this moment and and ultimately saving humanity is just a beautiful just perfect
3: yeah i i think they also did a good job of kind of setting it up in a way that you thought that John was going to get the last, uh, last crack at the Night King. Um, I, I mean, they really utilized the length of the episode very well because the uh, the Arya stuff. It kind of, you know, when it switched from uh, war movie to horror movie a little bit of the way through, that was still you still had like fifty to forty five <laughs> minutes. I felt like of the show left, and then you had all these John and Daenerys battling the Night King scenes and it it really was like well Jon you're you're getting trapped by Varys and you're screaming at him like come on man just fight through you've got to get there because Theon is down and your brother needs you but uh then Arya came through i've been watching videos pretty much all week on twitter of people's like reactions to that scene so and good. like this is the first episode of this season I actually watched with um, a group of people. I watched with some coworkers because I was like, "You guys, this is like a sports game. Let's all, let's all watch." Uh, and we cheered at that part. Like we were hands in the air, very loud, clapping, and it, it was a great TV moment, and I, I just I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was very satisfying.
2: I thought it was fantastic. Uh, it was a whole lot of explosions and fighting. Like it could have been an hour and I think it would have captured (laughs) it really well. But, but, but that aside, I, I, all the stuff was cool. The epic scale that they did, uh, you know, showing all of the the effects that they did with the darkness and the fire, I thought was great. I've heard some people complaining about that, but I, I don't get it. Like I felt like that really set the tone for the episode of very foreboding and unsure and difficult to, to see. I thought that really added to the episode, and then, yeah, of course, the end when everyone in America went, oh, yes, 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 yes.
0: Yeah, I think um, I, I read uh, while they were filming Clark that they set out to make that the longest continuous fight scene ever of like anything that's ever been on screen. Um, so they they had a record to break. Um,
2: well, they've never seen Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I yo, yeah, let's just stop there
1: <laughs> we can't have game of nick without nick giving a goddamn recap it's it been was three fucking episodes without this i'm
0: sorry it was amazing um i Ari is the best and uh i i just i was so shocked when when he when the night king actually died because that's just and, and when i like came to understand that that the battle of winterfell was not going to be the The final episode that there was going to be more to the storyline that just like blew my mind as that was um, developing and even right up until the end I, I when basically when he had his like stare down with Bran I was like there I didn't think Bran was going to die he's going to kill him
1: this is it and game yeah, over by it, humanity
0: it was shocking uh, I I totally thought that one of uh, Misande or Grey Worm was going to die because they. When when two characters make a plan, like we'll do this later, and they made their thing of like
1: we'll go off, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to the beach, and we're gonna enjoy, (laughs) we're gonna enjoy the beach. Because guess where I don't want to be after this? The fucking north, where it's cold and filled with white people. It's like uh they're definitely gonna die now, aren't they?
0: uh, Yeah, I was pretty sure that Masande was gonna die, uh, so I was very happy to be wrong about that. yeah, I'm a man of few words when it comes to uh, to dissecting stuff like this. So maybe I should have stayed off it anyway.
2: I'm I, I have a couple more things. I'm glad that they ended it uh, because I thought the White Walker storyline was a fantastic boogeyman storyline. And once we started, once that became the feature storyline, I felt like we were dragging a little bit. When it was the mysterious thing in the woods, it was really cool. Uh, but once we kind of put a face to the name. I thought it started to kind of lose its allure and I wanted to get back to the what's going to happen with Cersei. Now we have what's happening with Daenerys and Jon. I think that's a really interesting line. Uh, And then I also like how in case you'd missed it, they showed the Night King's arrogance a couple of times quickly. And then that's what got him killed as well. So I thought that was really quickly done, but really nicely done without bashing you over the head with it. I just thought that was super neat. Cause he's
3: yeah, like, oh, I yeah, got yeah, you, model. little girl. That's cute. Oh, <laughs> I, I made the point on Twitter too. People were really like, oh, how did how did Arya get through there? Or were like, what what the hell was uh, the Night King's offensive line doing? Just watching the pass rushers come through from the edges. Uh, that I think it, it's part of the arrogance, like you said, Clark. But he thought Theon was the last guy. I think in his defense, and he's like, well, once he's done. Screw it, let's go. I'm gonna go and kill this guy myself because I killed the other three eyed raven, and I think that's kind of the way he wanted it to be. He wasn't just gonna let some you know, no name dead white get the last kill. Um, and, he and was that was the last guy. Last
1: oh, guy. he forgot about the woman,
3: <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, our just again, she showed off her, her great 40 time, her explosive broad jump. Uh, And and she finished the job, short area quickness, you know, accuracy. I I loved it. Sometimes for those things, you just got to suspend belief a little bit and just accept that Arya got the major W, even though they've been trying to give away that game all episode long.
1: You say suspend disbelief, except for the fact that, like, literally they have spent eight seasons developing Arya into this, like, trained professional master assassin And, and so like, I don't even think you need to suspend disbelief. Like I totally, and I was talking with Becca about this. Like one of the things she learns across the, across the water is like basically how to be invisible in plain sight. Like that's one of the, the parts of, I don't know if it's one of uh, the face wearing or whatever. I can't remember all the different (laughs) things that she learns from, but like one of them is like basically being invisible in plain sight and how to master that and, she, util- she utilized everything she learned to kill him, and it's perfect, and I loved it. It was excellent.
0: I want to pause to appreciate the fact that we're, we're talking about suspending disbelief for her broad jump and not the fact that she was killing a zombie wizard king.
3: Oh, no, but that's real. That shit's real. <laughs> that happened, like, centuries ago. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, like, more to clarify, like, not suspend belief in that uh, Arya was the one that was able to make the – final blow i mean no, I, think I got you she's uh she's the top ranked fighter in westeros right now i mean suspend belief in the logistics of her getting from point you. a to point b sure except we've suspended trouble. this
1: belief for, for game of Thrones for a while like gendry when they're all trapped up in, in way beyond the wall like he's going to sprint a three <laughs> days hike in 11 you know five hours to get Who's Daenerys moving. and the dragons like yeah
3: okay sure gendry you're the fastest how the hell do they know that, <laughs> Kendry? Remember we all raced? Yeah, you
1: uh, you get to go now.
0: I like the idea of them drunkenly racing. Like, <laughs> well,
1: who's,
2: who thinks
0: they're bad? No,
1: Kendry's fucking fast. fast. If we ever need to like get message out because we're trapped, we're sending Kendry.
0: All right, I gotta wrap this up.
1: <laughs> Agreed awesome uh well make sure to follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast subscribe uh fake teams or the fake teams podcast channel so search fake teams on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts stitcher uh and i believe on spotify Follow myself on Twitter at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Follow Jordan at Jordan Smith27. Smith, Jordan underscore Smith27. There it is. Uh, and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We'll be back at you next week to talk all kinds of good stuff. But until then. <laughs> Excellent. No, well, there goes Nick.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nick legit had to get out of here. All right. Irish goodbye, Nick.